It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It's Unsportsmanlike with Evan, Canty, Michelle. Coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck Pier 17. Here on ESPN Radio, ESPNU, ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80. Joining us in studio, we welcome her to our new show for the first time, Jessica Mendoza, ESPN baseball analyst, along with Michelle, Chris, Evan, we appreciate you joining us. Explain to me what is going on. How are the Texas Rangers? Are the Texas Rangers the greatest team of all time? They don't lose in the postseason. Nathan Avaldi gets them out of the fifth and the sixth last night. Now he's Andy Pettit in the postseason and John Smoltz combined. What is happening here? You know what's so cool about Texas? And we saw it during the regular season. I mean, this is the most streaky team that we ever saw over the course of the regular season. They would go on a great tear, win eight games, absolutely annihilate their opponents. And then they would look like, okay... I mean, that's the reason why they dropped out of winning the AL West. I mean, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable how hot and cold this rain. Now, we have not seen cold in October. I had them in Tampa Bay to start their postseason. And the biggest thing that stood out was their offense. And the starting pitching, of course, last night. But their offense, they get on you quick. Like, they start scoring runs. It's pop, 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 pop. Evan Carter <laughs> at that time was hitting ninth. Now he's hitting third. So they've got so many tools in this lineup. Absolutely, and the thing that stands out about their lineup is the length. The eight and nine hitters for the Rangers do a great job of setting the table for the rest of that lineup when it turns over. But, Jess, you mentioned the starting pitching. We know how good Evaldi and Jordan Montgomery have been. There is no margin for error with those guys because of some of the injuries that the Rangers have dealt with with their starting pitching. How concerned are you about those guys throughout the remainder of the playoffs and the impact that we're going to see on their bullpen because those guys are, are needed when it comes to trying to bridge the time between starts for the two guys at the top of the rotation? The biggest thing is length. And that's what you've seen over the course of the first two starts. How long does that last? Normally, postseason baseball, it's like, you give me four or five innings, we got our dudes coming out of the bullpen, we're good. That's not the Rangers. They've got three dudes in their bullpen. Chapman gave up the home run to Jordan Alvarez, and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. I mean, people forget the Rangers. The biggest weakness was their bullpen. It's not showing it right now because they have been stupid good because they've used their three dudes, and their starting pitchers have given them that length. Now, getting Max Scherzer back, I think that is huge, but Mm. he is going to need to go a long time in that game, and he's not going to be able to. He's just coming back from injury. So this next game is going to be a big tail sound. For the Rangers. Yeah, I'm really interested to see what Scherzer has. All right, let's talk about the Phillies. Bryce Harper, they call him the showman for a, re- the showman for a reason. I mean, he he's constantly stepping up when yeah. the spotlight is the brightest. He does it again last night as the Phillies take a one nothing lead over the D-backs in the NLCS. It just feels like the Phillies are one of those teams that's getting hot at the right time. Everything seems to be clicking for them. Yeah, I mean, that's been the Phillies. Last year, they did the same exact thing. I mean, just the amount of handling pressure. So Bryce Harper to me was that kid when like yep. you're 10 years old and you're in the batting cage and you're like, all right, championship <laughs> series, bases loaded, 46,000 fans. And he is picturing the moments that he is in. I see more players crumble under pressure. Bryce Harper is the opposite. He has dreamt about this. He is built for this. Mm-hmm. 
They said it last night. He was born in October to be able to showcase in October. In fact, that was the first time he's ever played a Major League Baseball game on his birthday. Hey. (laughs) They never made it far enough into the playoffs for him to play. Not a a bad birthday. Talk with Jessica Mendoza, of course, ESPN MLB analyst. Let's go back to Bryce Harper for a second. Is there anyone, and I'm putting you on the spot on this because I can't think of anybody, in baseball history that ever lived up to the hype like this guy? Because we saw him at such a young age, right? He covered Sports Illustrated with like 15, 16 years old. Yeah, no, I was going to say Reggie Jackson, but that was just not the hype that was coming in because there wasn't hype, you know, for these guys at 16, 17 years old back when when those guys played. You know, no, because to be honest, the guys that have performed at the level – Reggie Jackson is the one that comes to mind. We didn't know who Reggie was right. when he was shoot, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And Trout didn't have this kind of hype that he no. had coming in, right? No, no, no. And I think that's the thing is we're seeing hype now. So, like, the players that are coming up through the draft, we do the MLB draft. Like, we're seeing now their personalities at 14, 15, 16 years old. So that pre-hype that Harper had is happening now. But to actually be able to be the player that everyone thought you were, we've yet to see it. Just how important has Nick Castellanos been to this postseason run for the Phillies? Because he's starting to turn into a bit of a folk hero in Philly (laughs) with the Phillies fans. Like He's been amazing. Home runs in each of the last three games he's played in. How great has he been during this run the Phillies have been on? You know, Chris, what's cool to see is he really struggled last year in the postseason. And people forget he was booed during the World Series. Like, that is how much he struggled with the pressure in Philadelphia, knowing that he was better than what he was showing. So to see him, and I, I, I know him well, and it's just that relief, too, of like, dude, this is like what he has been throughout his entire career. Boy can hit, man. I mean, the yeah. way that he swings the bat, of course, five home runs in his last eight of bats has just been stupid. Figure out a place to throw him. But it gives me that appreciation because people forget what he was last year. I got two boys at home, and I love sitting them down and being like, Nick Castellanos failed and failed and failed last year. And look at what he's doing now. That hope, that belief, and mm-hmm. honestly, keep being you, and that's what Nick's doing. Um, Jessica, I want to ask you to deviate from the CSs for just a second about Kim Ng, yeah. you know, and what happened with the Marlins. When I saw that come across my timeline yesterday, I was kind of taken aback. I was really surprised to see that she and the Marlins parted ways, especially after she put together a playoff team. Yeah. So what's going on there? What, what's your take on what's happening with Kim Ng and, and the Marlins? I, I appreciate a bit of her honesty because I feel like it tried to kind of get like, oh, we're just going to, you know, we're not agreeing, going different ways. It's fine. Kim Ming kind of put out there, like, it's it's not fine. That yeah. Basically, that they were not agreeing. They wanted to bring people in, I think, that were going to be able to oversee. And you're seeing that a lot. President of Baseball Operations, general manager. You're getting all of these different roles. Who's really actually in charge? And for Kim Ng, she wants to be in charge. This is her team. This is her baby. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to take that away or bring other people in that are going to oversee that, she's like, no way. And I, I'm proud of her for walking away because you could take the easy road, continue to get that paycheck, continue to be the only female that we've ever seen in this position and do it well. But I love her words. I love what she did. Now, there, it saddened me because she needs to be in baseball. Yeah. So my immediate thought is like, okay, who's get who gets her next? Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to ask. Where do you think she'll end up? I, I'm, I imagine her phone's ringing a lot today. Absolutely. And, and honestly, she should have had this job 15 years ago. So she's somebody that is going to be very much desired. But it's got to be on her terms. 
And I like that, too, because she's not satisfied just being the only female, the first female. She wants to kick ass. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you saw her do in Miami. And you're going to see her continue to do it wherever she ends up. Jess, let's go back to this for a second because you're bringing up something really interesting. That is a theme in baseball and a lot of sports, the president and the GM. It's basically how do we get two? How do we get two in there? Two good minds. I'm a Mets fan. Mets fan. They just did that. David Stearns, like he's the guy. Why wouldn't Kim Ng be eligible, so to speak, or apply for, allow them to have that president role? Wouldn't she be the one that gets bumped up and then hires somebody underneath her? You would think so. Mm-hmm. And I think well, that's then who what... are they thinking about that would be like, unless it's Theo Epstein? Yeah, there's nobody else that I could come up with that would be justified in that role. No, I completely agree with you, and that's I think her thought process exactly is what she has built, and to be able to hand that over or even you know share it, and she does. I mean, with her the front office, they have a ton of people that they work together, and it's a team. But you bring someone in that's new, someone in that's now going to oversee, and it's. It's like, what are we doing here? This is my team. So just for both of you then, and I, I have to ask this question because there's a human aspect of it. The gender should not matter in life, but it does. Do you guys look at this and say this is a huge blow because if this was a man, maybe this doesn't happen that way? Um, I think if it's a man, you know, they I would think any person doesn't want to give up what they already have. You've seen other general managers leave when they bring in a president of baseball operations and they're like, hey, yeah. this is my show. I don't think it's a gender thing that she's leaving. It's a gender thing that hurts me because I want to see women in this position. But man or woman, like you're going to walk away as long as I give Kim credit. But I would say any dude would do the same because they're thinking, hey, this is my team. I don't care if you're a woman or a man. It, it hurt me as well because she's done everything right. Yeah. She hired the yeah. manager that brought them to the playoffs. She constructed a playoff team. She made all the right trades. Everybody that works with her talks about her relentless will to win and how shrewd her decision-making is. So the fact that after all of that, they want to bring in somebody above her, that's what bummed me out about it. Just getting back to the baseball and looking at the two teams that are on the wrong side of these series in the CS, which one has a better chance to be able to get back in the series? Is it the Diamondbacks or is it the or is it the Astros? I, I get it. The Astros are down 2-0 and they're going to Dallas, so that's not necessarily the recipe that they, they're looking for. But it looked pretty one-sided in the NLCS in that game with the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, no, I I mean, Houston, the numbers show, and at this point it's not numbers, that they don't play well at home. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Anyone watching last night is like, are you kidding me? All those fans, how loud the environment is. Mm-hmm. But Houston is a better team on the road, and they know it. So in a way, it's weird. Like them going on the road is what's going to make them better. Plus they're going against a Max Scherzer that hasn't pitched they need length, and I, I really believe that the ball now is in Houston, so I really believe that they're going to win this next game. So for Jess and CeCe, I, I have to ask this question because it's we've seen it during the baseball playoffs. As former athletes, both of you, the rallying cry, the songs, the Phillies with dancing on my own, the Rangers with Creed in the clubhouse. Is that a thing? Like, are those rallying cries actually? Because for Smalls and I, fans, media, outside looking in, it seems fun, it goes viral, but, like, is that a thing for you guys? I mean, I, I think it's always a thing. Anything that can allow you to, like, remember, like, this is freaking awesome. And to kind of, like, get in with the fans. Now, when you're in the game, I don't think you're noticing any of that. No. no. <laughs> but I think anything that you can have, and you see it when you get to second base, the Phillies doing their stuff, like, all the different, like, it just allows you to kind of tie you in with your team. They can remember it's not about you, that it's not the singular. But at the end of the day, when you're up to bat, you're on the mound, like, you're not thinking about any of it. So of the four teams remaining, Jessica, which one do you like to win the World Series? Oh, 
going there. I mean, I, I feel like it's the Phillies' time. The Rangers mm. are on a mission right now, so it's going to be exciting to see how they continue to go. But the Phillies lost it last year, and I really believe that that has been the burning fire that you see now igniting in October. They didn't have a good start. They didn't have Bryce Harper. They lost Reese Hoskins early, so it kind of felt like struggling out the gate. And yet, here they are. And what they didn't do, especially in Houston, against Houston last year, I think they will do this year. Jeff, Jess, if that does happen, what does it do for Bryce Harper's legacy? This guy's already got the MVPs. He's lived up to the hype. He's had all the individual accolades. What would a championship mean for Bryce Harper's resume for his legacy in the game of baseball? I mean, you know this. It doesn't matter the MVPs. It doesn't matter all the awards, 16 Sports Illustrated, all the things. you got to have the ring. Mm-hmm. I think, for that legacy to really be cemented, for you to actually go down 20, 50, 100 years from now and be like, this dude, what he was doing in this time, and all the stuff that Bryce has done, he doesn't get that ring. That legacy just doesn't cement the way that we've seen so many others. Yeah, especially after the fact when he left the Washington Nationals, they, they ended up winning yeah. a championship. Yes. So. I yes. can tell you what happens the day after the World Series, mm-hmm. CeCe, on that one. I guarantee we will sit here that day and we'll have the conversation, whose career would you rather, Trout or Bryce Harper? Because one has the individual accolades, the other one has the team accolades, and they're they always both got a whole lot of money. Though. <laughs> <laughs> they're both got a whole lot of money. So CC's answer is yes. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. They're both, they both going to be all right. They both win. They both win. <laughs> Jess, thank you so much. Great yes. job on ESPN, ESPN Radio. Jessica Mendoza, ESPN MLB analyst, joining us in studio here on Unsportsmanlike. Thank you so much. Coming up, Canty's Power Rankings next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is time on Unsportsmanlike with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, presented by Progressive Insurance, to reveal Chris Canty's power. Let's go! Week seven. I can't believe it's already week seven. We're here. We're here. A third of the way through the season. So now is the time where we start separating the pretenders from the contenders. And, of course, when you're trying to figure out who's a real contender, you got to come to the power rankings on Tuesday. It's the only place to be. Javante, let's kick this thing off. Number five. We got the Miami Dolphins. Now, listen, the Miami Dolphins just hung 42 points on the Carolina Panthers after being down by two touchdowns early in this game. 
They probably figured they could roll their helmets out there and get a win against a winless team. They weren't wrong. Tyreek Hill on his way to a 163-yard performance, a touchdown, and a hell of a video of while he's holding a cell phone in his hand and doing a backflip. I know the NFL is going to find him for it. That's money well spent. You know what else? Tua. He's an MVP. He's in the conversation. This guy had three touchdowns. No Deshaun Achan, no problem. Raheem Mostert, 115 yards on the ground, two touchdowns as well. This Miami Dolphins team is rolling because of their offense. Next. Number four. The Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions, 3-1 third, stand up. Javante, go ahead and take a bow. Your team is actually for real. You went on the road and beat another division leader with a winning record in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And guess what? It was an impressive performance where your quarterback made some throws. And speaking of throws, Craig Reynolds, shout out to you because you threw a hell of a block for one of your teammates to score a touchdown on a receiving on a, on a pitching catch. Outstanding team for the Detroit Lions. I say this all the time. I know who the Lions are from week to week, which is why I trust that they're the third best team in the NFC. In a conference where a lot of the teams at the top have shown themselves to be a little bit uneven, the Detroit Lions just keep stacking wins. It's no longer a question of whether or not they're going to win their division. The question is, how good can this team get over the remainder of the regular season, and how much can they close the gap between the teams at the top, that being the Eagles and the 49ers? Next. Number three. Oh, number three. We got to go with the Philadelphia Eagles now. You get knocked down a peg when you lose to the New York Jets, a, a franchise, quite literally, that you've never lost to. They were 12-0 and against the New York Jets before Monday's loss at MetLife Stadium. We're not going to see too many games where Jalen Hurts goes out there and throws three picks, but I think that's a product of that defensive front from the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, from the, uh, from the New York Jets dominating the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they were able to fly around. Zach Wilson made the requisite plays. But that was a game that was more about the defense for the Jets than it was about an indictment on the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles will be fine. Their offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, and Jalen Hurts have got to get on the same page. But this is a team that has a huge opportunity for a bounce-back game in a primetime spot against the Miami Dolphins at home at the link on Sunday night. Number two. Number two, we got the San Francisco 49ers. Listen, we make all the excuses as to why they lost to the Cleveland Browns. You're on the road. You you played in a very emotional game Sunday night the week before against the Dallas Cowboys. West Coast team traveling to the East Coast, 1 o'clock kickoff, and the Cleveland Browns were coming off of a bye week. I get it. It was one of those spots that was a little bit sleepy. You got the news. Watson wasn't playing. They were starting P.J. Walker. You probably thought you could just go out there and check the box and get a win. Silly for the 49ers to think that. You got to earn your wins in this league. But I still think this is one of the most complete teams. I'm a little bit nervous about the injuries. The bug is starting to bite this team. Debo Samuel got hurt in that game shoulder. Christian McCaffrey with the oblique. Trent Williams got banged up, although he was able to return to play. I'm concerned about this San Francisco 49ers team. So we'll, we'll see what happens, what makes of it. I think this is more of a blip on the radar than an indictment on what they'll be. But again, you get knocked down a peg in the power rankings when you lose to the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Next. Number one. Top spot this week has to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. What's understood ain't got to be said. It's Andy Reid. It's Pat Mahomes. And I get that it wasn't necessarily an impressive win against the Denver Broncos, but it's a short week against a division opponent. Those are always going to be tough games, even when you're at home. They ended up doing the job. They found ways to win, which is the most important thing. 
And the thing that separates this Chiefs teams from Chiefs teams in the past under Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes is that they have a top five, I mean, a top 10 defense in yards and points. And it's something that they're going to be able to hang their hat on. I think this team is going to play good defense under defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola with all of the young talent on that side of the ball and Chris Jones, which is one of the best defensive players in all of football. They're going to be good. This is a defense they're going to be able to depend on until their offense figures it out. So, Smalls, you're my accountability partner. That is the list. Any omissions, any objections to the power rankings? Well, normally I will look at the teams that are on the outside looking in and see if they have a case to crack into the top five in the power rankings. Bills, no. Cowboys, no. Jags, no. Ravens, no. So I think that the list is great. Um, As your accountability partner, I think I need to note, I think this is the first time the Chiefs are sitting in the top spot, no? No, the Chiefs were in the top spot coming into the season. Coming into the coming season. into the got season, it. they so were in the, the top first time spot. They reclaimed the they top reclaimed spot. The top spot. I got but, it. but but to Evan's point, and I think this is something that is worth noting, we got to look at the loss to the Detroit Lions a little bit differently mm-hmm. in the opening night of the regular season because they didn't have Travis Kelsey, they didn't have Chris Jones, and the Detroit Lions are actually a good football team. The Detroit Lions are the third best team in the NFC. So there's no shame in having that as the only black mark on the ledger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the Detroit Lions loss is not necessarily a bad loss. Yeah, we only looked at that one way. We looked at that as a good win for the Lions, which it was. But I also don't think we should look at that as a bad loss for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think we should look at that and say, well, if you're doing it like college football style and you're going to rank based on body of work, that's a plus (laughs) For that to be your one loss against the Lions. I want to go back to the Lions because you said something. I know who they are every single week. Yeah. Explain what that means relative to team's identity and how bad it could be if there's a gray area as to what that team's identity is. Well, I think they know how they have to win. That's the most important thing. Like, it's not a matter of what we think they are. It's them understanding the path to victory that their coach is going to outline each and every week. And it starts up front with the line of scrimmage, their offensive line being able to impose their well, being balanced and creating opportunities for Jared Goff to deliver the football with a clean pocket. They've got playmakers on the offensive side of the ball with Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Reynolds, and and Sam Laporta, who's the rookie tight end, who is outstanding. On defensive side of the ball, they, they do a great job of being tied together. They don't give up a lot of big plays. And they got guys that are dynamic up front, Aiden Hutchinson in Houston. So I, I, I like this Detroit Lions team. I think they're the third best team in the conference. Now, what's interesting is going into last night's Monday night game, they, they were the third shortest odds out of any of the NFC teams to make it to the Super Bowl. The Cowboys got a win last night and leapfrog the Detroit Lions. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think there's more variance in terms of what we've seen from the Cowboys. The Detroit Lions are the same team each and every week, and the only loss they have is in overtime against a good Seattle Seahawks team. Like, like To me, the Detroit Lions are consistent. Mm-hmm. They've got an identity. They know who they are. They know who they are. They don't make a lot of mistakes that make them easy to beat, and that's why I can trust what they are from week to week. All right, coming up, which team has the biggest question mark around the NFL? Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Vikings! Jordan Addison with his fourth receiving touchdown has given Minnesota a 12-6 lead. Josh Mattel is forced to fumble. Picked up by Jordan Hicks. 40-30. And is loose. Touchdown! We were able to kind of limit some of those explosives that this offense has really gotten going lately. Vikings Radio Network. Big win, dare I say, against the Bears this past weekend. We are on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. I, I said, can, dare I say. I, I don't think you can call it a big win against Chicago. Hence the dare I say. <laughs> yeah, I don't well, think for the Vikings do, at this point in the that. season, it yes, feels like a big win. Exactly. Uh, we are brought to you by Beacon. The Beacon Pro Plus app helps roofers get things done from anywhere. Beacon always building. Well, we talked about questions around teams in the NFL. Cowboys answered a couple last night with their win against the Chargers, 20-17. to Chargers created more with their loss against the Cowboys, and then obviously not performing late. Justin Herbert down three, sacked interception to close out that game. And there's certainly been a lot of questions around the Chicago Bears and the way in which they've played and the way they've handled things this offseason and into this season. And we know they have two first-rounders coming up this season. Carolina, they're the worst team in the league, haven't won a game in their own. Yesterday on our show, our very own Chris Canty gave this reaction to Justin Fields getting hurt, thumb injury, no timetable for return now. Here's what CeCe had to say about Fields and the Bears yesterday. You know why you get rid of him now? Because the guy ain't stayed healthy for a complete season in the three years of his career. Why would you think that's going to change this year? You knew the clock was ticking. You knew it was ticking. And guess what happened? After a couple of good games, predictably, Justin Fields get hurt. So that's why I told Bears fans it was probably in your best interest to sell high on Fields if there was a quarterback needy team that wanted to upgrade. Why would you not look to offload him now, knowing that he's not your quarterback of the future? Well, that gave some ammo on Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 in Chicago yesterday to their guest, the Bears analyst as part of ESPN 1000, Lance Briggs, former great linebacker for the Bears. Here's what he had to say in response to CeCe. Chris Candy's words don't move me. They don't move me at all. You know, he, to me, his comments sound like a, a, a D lineman trying to evaluate a quarterback. You know, he, he said... He didn't make tech, talk about anything technical that Justin Fields does. He said you should get rid of him because he can't stay healthy for a football season. Give me some technical reasons why you should get rid of Justin Fields, not just because he can't stay healthy. Okay, we have a lot of other players that, that can't stay healthy. He's not one of them. You know, and I'm, I'm not saying that Justin Fields is an all-world beater, but he is coming off two of his best games, career games, before moving into this game right here. 
Well, CC. <laughs> I mean, his take is about as confusing as leaves a Lamborghini on the Dan Ryan Expressway. I just, I don't understand what he's talking about. I'm a defensive lineman. He played linebacker. I don't get like what is what is the technical breakdown that he's giving of Justin Fields' quarterback play? Like what what how deep of a dive do you have to do to realize that the guy ain't stayed healthy in each of his first three years? Like, Ev, I said that the guy has trouble staying healthy. He's the most contacted quarterback in the NFL since he's come into the league. He's got six wins across 31 starts since he's come into the league. In his first year, he had to deal with the cracked ribs that made him miss five games. In his second year, he had to miss a couple of games due to a shoulder injury. This year, we don't know how many games he's going to miss, but he is going to miss time because he's got a dislocated thumb and he couldn't grip the damn football on Sunday. So I don't understand how technical I have to be in my breakdown of Justin Fields. His talent hasn't equated to this team being able to win football games. And this is an organization that has had to make a consequential decision about whether they're going to stay with Justin Fields or whether they're going to go with the younger option. They passed on the quarterback class in 2023, and the question now becomes whether it's with Carolina's pick or their own pick, would they be willing to pass on a quarterback yet again at the top of the draft? To me, I haven't seen anything that would justify passing on a quarterback again from Justin Fields. And my point about trading Justin Fields was about not devaluing the asset. I'm not saying that Justin Fields can't be a good football player. I'm not saying he can't be a good quarterback. But it's still a question of, is he going to become that? And there's an opportunity cost that's associated with passing on all of these other young quarterbacks that are coming out. First of all, these other guys, different clock in terms of pay scale. They're going to be cheaper options. you got to make a decision this coming offseason on Justin Fields' fifth-year option. That's going to be north of $20 million. Do you want to pay that? Do you want to pay a going rate for a quarterback on a long-term deal, which is going to be $40-plus million a year? I haven't seen anything that would justify that kind of commitment, which is why I said it made sense for the Bears organization to move off of fields rather than risk him getting hurt and potentially jeopardizing the haul that you could get in return for trading him, knowing that he's not going to be a part of your long-term future. Yeah, I absolutely see where you're coming from with this, CC. Do we see Stevie any- Wonder could see where I'm coming <laughs> from with this one. Do we see any world in which the Chicago Bears don't take a quarterback? No. No. So that means that there's there's a musical chair situation, right? And you have to wonder what are you going to do with Justin Fields? And to your point, he what and to Lance's point, he was coming off two of his stronger games that we've seen from him. Statistically, they didn't equate to wins. Well, one did with Washington, Denver did not. But he he was at a higher position value-wise than he had been at many points in his career. Mm -hmm. So you want to protect that asset, potentially either sit him so that he doesn't get injured or make a decision in that moment to move on from him, knowing he's not your future. Well, think about this. I I mean, look at the odds according to our FPI of teams that have the chance of getting the number one pick. The Carolina Panthers have a 33% chance of getting the number one pick. Well, the Chicago Bears own that pick. The Chicago Bears, by virtue of doing all of the losing that they've done this season, they have a 9% chance of getting the number one pick. So you combine that, you got a 42% chance of getting the number one overall pick. There is no world that exists in which Justin Fields can show enough over the next, what, 10 games or whatever it is to, to justify passing on Caleb Williams or Drake May or Michael Penix Jr. And I get it. Those guys are ifs. 
but so is Justin Fields. He's an if. And I talked to our very own Jordan Reed, who does scouting for ESPN, and I was just asking him straight up, what's the evaluation of Justin Fields in comparison to Drake May or Caleb Williams? He said, bro, it's not even close. Wow. Them other two guys are better than Justin Fields by a country mile. That's where we're at with Justin Fields. Like he, He's as plugged into the scouting world as anybody. That's what he's saying. So Lance Briggs, put that in your technical information about quarterback and smoke it. Do that. Because it's a situation now where it just doesn't make sense trying to defend the position of hanging on to Justin Fields. It just doesn't make sense. The younger the quarterbacks coming out of the draft are cheaper options, and by a lot of accounts from scouts, they're better options in terms of their upside. So it's not just a matter of can Justin Fields be a good quarterback, but is he going to be better than all of the guys that you could have had across the last two drafts? Eight ball says doubtful, dog. <laughs> so a couple more things on this. The technical aspect that we have talked about is that he holds the ball too long in the pocket and he doesn't make the initial quick read. So there's a technical. But this is, this is more situational than anything else. We could apply the exact same argument and conversation to other teams. And this is where people, I think, are not you, but people are missing this. What if Green Bay has a top two or three pick in the draft? I don't think they're going to. What if they do? Mm-hmm. What if Pittsburgh has a top two or three pick in the draft? I don't think they're going to, but what if they do? What if Washington does? What if the Giants do? The reason I bring up those four teams Green Bay has a first-round quarterback. Pittsburgh has a first-round quarterback. Washington has a guy that they did not draft in the first round, but that they really like. And the Giants have a first-round quarterback they just gave $40 million a year to. This quarterback class is so good that, unfortunately, at least per what we are hearing and what we see, and we don't know how they're going to be as pros, but how they are in college, you're going to have teams that think they have their quarterbacks that are put in a situation where they're going to say, well, that guy's better. Yeah. That guy's better, and we're going to have to make a decision to move on from this guy. Kenny Pickett has done nothing to give the Steelers a reason to move on from him. If somehow the Steelers finish with a top-five worst record in the league or bottom-five record in the league, <laughs> they're going to have to take a quarterback, potentially. Same thing with Washington, same thing with Green Bay. I don't think that's going to happen, but my point is that if you're just doing the compare and the contrast and then you add an additional top-five pick like the Bears have, Logic would tell you that if you have the ability to draft in the top five of the draft, it means you're not very good. You're normally not very good because your quarterback doesn't outperform his contract. And what you do then is you try to find a new quarterback. The Bears have that times two. There is no logic behind them not taking a quarterback. Even if you think Justin Fields can make it, he's not going to be able to make it there. But you, but you keep it. saying even if we think he can make that's a big if like we it doesn't matter so he's we don't we don't know we don't know if he's going to be good we don't know if he can stay healthy we do know that he's going to become more expensive and we don't know that he's going to be better than all of the quarterbacks that you would have passed on over the next two drafts if you don't take a quarterback in twenty four but I'm saying CC even if you spin it towards there's positive feelings around it. Like I think the Steelers probably have positive feelings around Kenny Pickett right now. If they were in the top five of the draft, they would take a quarterback. They would have to. They wouldn't yeah. have a choice. That's my point. Is that we don't even have to give an evaluation of Justin Fields. The Bears are heading towards two. I first got more. Top five ev- I got more evidence that Kenny Pickett can play quarterback and be good in the NFL than I do Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Look at the second half of the Steelers season last year. I agree with Look you. Look at how well but they I'm played. We don't even need to they go won that six far. Six of their final eight games. Like I got evidence. Kenny Pickett starts games. My team wins football games. Mm-hmm. Kenny Pickett got more games that he's won in the NFL than Justin Fields does. And we've seen way more games where Justin Fields has been the starter. But that's the point. We don't need to see anything more. 
The fact is you're going to have a chance at Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess people are giving Justin Fields the benefit of the doubt because of circumstance and how the Bears have been a dysfunctional franchise. I'm not saying that the Bears haven't done Justin Fields dirty by virtue of having bad coaching or, or all of these moving parts within their organization. What I am saying is it makes sense given where they're at right now and the draft capital that they're going to have with the class of quarterbacks coming out to go ahead and reset the clock at the quarterback position change the pay scale, get three more years of quarterback play on the cheap rather than jumping on board with exercising the fifth-year option and trying to extend Justin Fields. That just doesn't make sense. That's not good business. You're, you're paying top-of-the-market money for a quarterback when your team is not ready to win. How does that make sense? The, the Bears are years away from being consistently competitive. Mm-hmm. Why would you not reset your franchise and reset the clock on when you have to pay your quarterback? That's another reason why another team probably would have given the Bears something that they wanted for Justin Fields because they're aware of the dysfunction that surrounds him. Exactly. And coming off those two stronger performances from him when he is healthy, knowing that he's not your future and that you're not going to pay him, Mm -hmm. you have to have a little bit of self-awareness as an organization to say some other team is going to say we have questions about him, but it's been a bit dysfunctional in Chicago. Maybe he could be the answer here. But regardless... Whether he's the answer somewhere else, he's always going to be a question in Chicago. He's never going to be the guy there. I think the runway has run out because they're going to take another quarterback. The reality is, if you don't know by now, you don't. He's not going to be good. Like that's that's just the nature of the beast in Chicago. In general, yeah. If if it hasn't happened know. before, yeah, I'm not going to. Sa- I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not going to tap Gino out. Smith wasn't a top ten pick. I'm, I'm not, not, not going to tap out on Justin Fields. I don't think Justin Fields was a top ten pick either. I think he was eleventh. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm not going to talk about I'm, semantics. I'm not going to tap out on Justin Fields just yet. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he can't be good in a different situation. What I'm saying is, it, it doesn't feel like it's going to happen in Chicago, and that's okay. If you're a Bears fan, it's okay. It didn't work out. It didn't work out for Mitch Trubisky. The franchise moved on. It doesn't look like it's going to work out for Justin Fields. They're going to move on. Here's the silver lining with moving on from Justin Fields. You're probably going to get yourself a new head coach, and you get the reset, and the new head coach has an opportunity to pick the new quarterback, and they're going to be tied together, inextricably linked. That's what functional franchises do. So there is a natural opportunity for you to do what most functional franchises do. You get the head coach in place the decision-making in place, and then you collectively take the quarterback. And then you build out the roster around him. You understand what he needs, you support him in the way that he needs to be supported based on the talent, and you go from there. But the first-round pick on that second team that didn't have success winning and losing doesn't usually have success on that second team. Before you bring up Jared Goff, not saying you guys would, Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl with the Rams. Mm -hmm. So maybe, best-case scenario, you become Ryan Tannehill. There you go. Who all of us said should be benched about three years ago. Coming up, the most unsportsmanlike moment of the day next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Along with Michelle Swoman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you each and every day at this time before we hand it off to Greeny at 10 a.m. Eastern. We award our Unsportsmanlike moment of the day. Sometimes mm. it's with us, like yesterday. You can go yeah. back on the ESPN app and check at Unsports ESPN mm-hmm. and look at the attempted handshake with uh, Emmett <laughs> Smith and I, which, by the way, I want to point out, Smalls and Jessica Mendoza had a... It was an awkward moment. Yeah, you didn't yeah. know. It was I thought a she was handshake. going to high-five, and then we went for the handshake. It was kind of a you and Emmett Smith type situation. Yeah, we may but, have to find that video But the difference point. is, as Jeff Saturday pointed out, Evan, you saw Emmett Smith walking towards you with the fists extended. Yeah. So you knew what and he I was still doing. Botched it. We have to see if we can find the video of Smalls and Mendoza because there was an awkward one. CeCe saw it, but maybe not as awkward as that one. That's for sure. Um, well, let's get to the hottest topic of the day, and it's everybody's talking about across the country. The Oakland A's, yeah. uh, obviously the hottest topic of the day. Uh, Trevor May retired as a reliever of the A's, and he went on his Twitch channel and gave a final parting shot to the ownership in Oakland. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt. I didn't get here fast enough. Sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own own something. There's actually people who give a about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else. Dork. And also, if you're gonna just be a greedy, greedy, own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. So that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy. Do what you're gonna do, bro. You're you're whatever. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all this power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have, and now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Yeah, whatever. Oakland is Oakland. Uh, you can make all the cases. Oh, it's not a great city. Blah, 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 blah. But you're putting you're putting hundreds, if not thousands, of people out of work that have worked somewhere for decades. And you haven't acknowledged that at all. Be better. That's all we're asking. Just be a human being. You know what my favorite part of this now, listening back to this, is when Trevor May says, I got, I ordered a sell shirt. It didn't get here in time. Yeah. In time for what? Who is waiting for his retirement presser? Most people just heard of this guy for the first time wow. right this moment. You could have waited a day or two to get the sell shirt. But why, why are you taking a shot at I Trevor just, May, I'm just man? saying. Come on now. That's, just saying. No, 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 no. He can't take a shot at everybody else. No, no, no. He's not taking a shot at everybody else. He's taking a shot at an owner that makes it easy to criticize him. Yeah, he's not taking a shot at everybody they have, else. They have sewage in the dugouts, by the way. And like at some point, maybe it's, they shouldn't have that stadium there and they shouldn't have the team there. Yeah, well, that's, that's on the owner. You know I who know. has control oh, of being able to Correct. do that? The owner of the team. The owner of the team. Going to probably make a lot of money moving to Vegas. That's for sure. Yeah. It makes me so sad, though. That so, so you the, think the owner of the team is doing the right thing? No, but, oh, okay. I, but I Yeah, the think fans of Oakland deserve better. Right, they but do, isn't baseball allowing them to profit off of this, ultimately? Well, just because baseball is complicit doesn't mean that the owner's behavior is acceptable. And yeah, Trevor May is just expressing what every A's fan already feels and knows. 
The owner doesn't give a damn about the team. They lost 112 he games doesn't. last year. Exactly. Year, he, he, he's like, look, I, I don't care what happens right now. It's all about moving my team to Vegas and I'm biding my time until I can do so, which ain't the right approach. Major League Baseball should do better in the Bay Area. It should be better in Oakland. The fact that they are allowing that franchise to be in this feudal state is completely a disrespect to the fans that love that team there. Oh, let me tell you, as somebody that was a fan of a team that was essentially a lame duck city because uh, L.A., the NFL, Stan Kroenke, they were all in cahoots that the St. Louis had no chance of keeping the Rams regardless of what they did. Do you know what that feels like as a fan to know that your team is losing on purpose yeah. and that ownership doesn't care about you and that they're going to go somewhere else and then likely put a lot of resources into this team and a beautiful new building and try and make it work somewhere else? It's really, really unfair to the fans of Oakland. The other moment, by the way, just thinking about this, the Chargers fan that went viral last night. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sportsman, like she was going crazy at the game and then like It was amazing to find the Chargers fan happened. who cared. Right. Well, that is true. That may be <laughs> right. the most unsportsmanlike that moment. Invested. I was so, really pumped that we found yeah, her. Yeah. So wow, we have a Chargers fan that cares and may in essence an A's fan or player that cares. That's rare in one day. She is and we're watching on the ESPN News side, she is into it. Oh my God, is she into it? Good for her to have that level of fandom. But then, um, obviously, not great it didn't, for her that Brandon Staley is her head coach. Yeah, but she's probably used to it by now. No, that's, well, clearly not by the last heartbreak. second losses, though. In yeah. this way, maybe we should talk about the Chargers. I don't know if cursed is the right word, but bad luck team more than we do. Like we talk about teams, the Mets are always brought up, the Jets are always brought up. Smalls, you brought up the Angels is kind of just like this awful team in terms of the the luck. The Chargers, regardless of who the coach or quarterback is always end up figuring out a way of losing. We don't acknowledge them as a bad luck team maybe as much as we should in sports history. Because they're under the shroud of meh. But even when they were in San Diego, I guess people cared about them more. But, I mean, from Phillip Rivers, obviously always having bad moments in big games. Dan Fouts, unfortunately, Hall of Famer, never getting them over the hump. Marty Schott and Iron May recipes was, what, 14-2, and 15-1 and got fired after that? Yeah, they got smoked in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they always have. They're like a bad luck franchise that we never actually bring up as a bad luck franchise. Think about it. Clippers we bring up as a bad luck franchise. Yeah, we about the Browns. The Browns. Bear, the Bears. Lions yeah. before this season. I've been a bad luck yeah. franchise. The Chargers, because they seemingly are always good, but never good enough. Uh-huh. Maybe we don't like. They're not a disaster. Them. They don't have extended periods of bad. Yeah, they're not a disaster. They don't so have what's the right not, way of describing They're not the New them. York Jets. Yeah. They're so, not the they're Cleveland mad. Browns. They're just not that. They don't have extended periods of just being bad. Like, right. they, you know, they get to the postseason. I think they said, let's see here. They've been to the postseason twice over the last five seasons. So they're not. They're not always awful, I guess is the whole point. And because they're in that middle ground, they're not going to be a championship contender, but they're not going to be a team in contention for the first overall pick. I think that's why we kind of ignore what's going so on in LA. So are they the captain of no man's land in sports? P- probably, but we can't ignore the Chargers now that they got a quarterback in Justin Herbert, who's one of the highest paid in all the sport, and believed to be one of the most talented throwers of the football. They got to have some wins to back that up. Meh, no man's land. Yeah, maybe more than bad luck. But they're always competitive, but never competitive enough. We are on to Wednesday. It's Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? 
You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.